0: A very warm welcome, everyone, to the Asian Seller Podcast. I'm your host, Megla Bhardwaj. And today we're talking to Pierre Poina, who's the co founder of Lazada. And he's currently the co founder and CEO of Branded. Hi, Pierre. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Nice to meet you, Megha. Uh, Thank doing you. Well. <laughs> I'm, uh, calling in from Paris.
0: Yes, nice and sunny Paris. <laughs> and uh, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, we are in a Zoom meeting and we've got a couple of sellers from Singapore uh, also joining us. So it's, um, it's going to be fun. I've got some questions for Pierre and then we'll also um, open up the floor and uh, other sellers can also ask uh, Pierre any questions. So Pierre, first of all, tell us um, the story of founding Lazada. Like how did you come about founding Lazada in the first place and you were based in Singapore at that time. Is that correct? So take us back in yeah, time and so, tell us how it all started. Yeah,
1: so I think maybe, yeah, just, just like, um, you have to start that uh, quite some time back. I was, uh, um, uh, I, I, so I was in Singapore because I'm actually married to a Singaporean. Uh, my wife is uh, a Singaporean and we met together. We met uh, at MIT in the U.S. back in the 2001. And uh, I got uh, uh, already um, um quite ex- exposed to e-commerce uh, uh, at the time uh, in singapore i uh, uh, actually uh, uh, my my father in law had a shop uh, a postal shop in singapore and uh, there was this guy uh, that was in 2001 who would come every day and uh, ship uh, watches everywhere around the world through ebay and he was a millionaire and uh, I was quite blown away by that. And uh, the time of eBay, we started to uh, actually buy products in, uh, in Singapore and sell them in France. So that I did that in the early 2000s. And then fast forward a few years later, um, 2012, I was in Singapore. Uh, I just spent eight years at McKinsey, was looking for newer opportunities. And I actually happened to meet um, Lazada CEO, uh, who is a, a, a person called Maximilian Bitner. Uh, and uh, 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 Max was looking for his team to, uh, uh, so I joined actually, uh, um, I, joined, uh, I joined a team as a CEO in charge of operations for, for Lazada uh, to grow, grow the business. And the idea was that, uh, hey, hey, uh, uh, there's a huge opportunity. That's what we fought and that actually turned through. Um, the, the, the region is digitalizing and you know, there's more and more people that have access to, uh, um to disposable income um uh, 4g is being rolled out uh, smartphones are cheaper to, to buy a lot of brands a lot of uh, consumers want to uh, buy products but they simply cannot there's not a mall in every city in Southeast Asia uh, there's a lot of uh, challenges for retail and uh, we thought that let's you know let's let's address that head on and let's build a platform for for e-commerce in Southeast Asia that that's how the this, you know, and the goal was to become the Amazon of sophistia That's as simple as you know, big ambition, big dreams, um, a, a team with a lot of uh, a lot of um, energy, and that's that's how that's how uh, that's how we started. And so this was around
0: 2012, you said, right?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: And was there any other e-commerce platform in the region at that time that was popular?
1: Not so 2012 was really the, become, the beginning of e commerce. people would go into a, you know listing sites, so they would, uh, uh for example, in uh, in, uh, in uh, Thailand, they would uh, uh, meet there and then they would uh, meet sometimes uh, the, um, at the station to uh, exchange cash and the goods. You know, that a lot of uh, uh, e commerce was like that. It changed very rapidly. Uh, 2012, 13, 14, there's a uh, like, countless number of uh. Uh, players started, um, some were successful, some were less successful, uh, but uh, we, we ended up taking the, uh, the lion's share of, uh, of e commerce um, at that time. Yeah,
0: and I guess eBay would have been popular at that time, right? Over here. So,
1: yeah, there was some uh, eBay, but at the same time, eBay, um, uh, so Southeast Asia has a lot of challenges, you know, logistics, payments. And uh, eBay was not, especially uh, if you think about Indonesia, uh, Philippines, Vietnam, eBay was not really catering to those markets. eBay was focusing on the um, Western market, So the platform was on in these markets, but not catering um, not the challenges and therefore not, not really successful. So it didn't really, uh, um, I don't even know it if, he, if it had good, uh, mm-hmm. good volumes at the time, I can't, I uh, wouldn't remember.
0: Yeah, and at that time Taobao was already gaining a foothold in China because I was based in China at that time, and it was becoming very popular. And people were, you know, buying a lot from Taobao, and was really um, um, there were a lot of sellers. Even in you know my friend circle, people were starting to sell on Taobao. So that was around the time that it it uh, was starting to become popular. So what are some of the initial challenges that you faced when establishing Lazada? And you mentioned a few like logistics and payments, but what were the challenges?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, e-commerce is a very, uh, uh, very uh, complex business. You need know, you to get everything right. So, you know, everything and uh, uh, there was no service provider at that, that time. Infrastructure was not there. So everything was uh, uh, a little bit, uh, you know, a challenge or painful, however you want to say, but at the same time, it's uh, also that what made the whole experience and the whole, uh, um, the whole growth, a lot of fun. I think, uh, from a, I would say, macro standpoint, logistics and payment were really big challenges um, to deliver products. To uh, so we addressed a lot of that with through uh, cash and delivery. We built our own logistics infrastructure. So these were really uh, uh, big, big challenges for um, um, for um, for us. And then uh, I think last but very importantly, the the um, uh, the the team uh, building a team is. Um, is, uh, is the most important to address, uh, address these challenges and that was something that uh, uh, was a lot of uh, a big, uh, big focus for us and you, you can say a challenge because we, uh, we uh, very quickly uh, were several thousand people uh, across five countries. How do you uh, ensure that uh, um, you know you have the right people in the right positions, that everybody understands where we want to go uh, we we build a, a culture which is a, a very a, um, a performance driven, very fast, but at the same time that it's a, an environment where people enjoy working, have fun. So it's a uh, these are all um, uh, 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 I think uh, um, uh, what makes the difference in the end.
0: Right, and. What about e-commerce adoption? Like, did you find it difficult to convince people to shop online and uh, use a platform like Lazada? Like, did you have well, to do a lot of marketing at the
1: beginning when we started? Yes, it was an, an issue, you know, because uh, people wouldn't trust uh, e-commerce platform, and um, so we had to do a lot of communication on this. We were doing cash on delivery so that the consumer would pay when he would see the goods, for example. So we did a lot of things like this. I think as we as we are went along uh, over the years, uh, you've seen the explosion of the digital economy in Southeast Asia and uh, um, the, the, it was a very virtuous circle, you know so when uh, uh, more more consumers go online, they they, they 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 go they shop online, they they have, there's some uh, level of social uh, connections online, they consume content online, they do everything on their mobile, and then of course it attracts um uh sellers and brands to communicate there to to sell products and that's a complete virtual circle because uh, uh then it, it's more and more interesting to go online and so on so on and so forth and that that really started around the, i think uh, 2014 15 this is 16 this is when really uh, all of this digital economy uh took off in in the region and uh, you've seen uh, big platforms like uh tokopedia grab or shopee you know that that um Traveloka, all of these great companies emerged, you know, at the, at the time, on scale at that time.
0: Right. So then when did you decide to sell to Alibaba and why did you decide to sell?
1: So we sold to Alibaba in 2016 and then 17. It was a longer uh, transaction. I think uh, um, very, you know, very simple reason. We needed to a uh, unique capital to grow. So you need to, uh, you know, so you need to have a, uh, so you can raise capital on the market or you can uh, uh, par- go with a, a strategic backer. So they obviously took the look of the strategic backer. Thought uh, very important also to uh, uh, have um, access to uh, a lot of the uh, uh, Chinese, uh, uh, there's a lot of synergies uh, integrating with the uh, what's happening in China in terms of uh, assortment, in terms of logistics, in terms of uh, technology, in terms of, uh, Um, in terms of payment, even. And uh, um, uh, so this is the, uh, which would uh, catapult uh, 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 Lazada uh, uh, to the next phase of growth. So that was was the thinking, uh, basically.
0: Right. So talking about the environment today, I mean, e-commerce is, of course, very widespread and people are, um, you know, very accustomed to shopping online and it's, it's no longer an issue but some people would say it's getting very competitive as well but what advice do you have for entrepreneurs who are looking to start an e-commerce business today
1: yeah i think um uh retail i mean i've never it's rare to see a market which is not competitive you know when there's opportunity and growth it uh, usually attracts a lot of uh, um motivated and uh, 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 people. And if you're in a market, which is not very competitive, maybe you have to ask yourself questions, you know, <laughs> are you in the right place? You know? So, okay. uh, so, but um, I think uh, uh, in, in the end, what we do is we, 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 when you are e-commerce, it's all about retail, Your, your, you um, so and the base of its retail business. So the, the base here is to make sure you have good products. That, that is the, uh, the what will make you successful is that you have a great product, uh, at the right price that uh, um, the um, uh, that um, consumer love, uh, and that's you know the rest. The, um, uh, if that's the case, the rest uh, will fall into place, and uh, you can figure it out. So focus a lot on the product, on uh, having a great product. I think that's the the main the main thing I would say. So great product in terms of of course
0: quality of the product, but also it should
1: be quality. in demand. In. quality in demand is it differentiated you know so if it's a me too product maybe it's good quality but if it's a me too product you will not be able to differentiate yourself and uh, um, make a space uh, a space for yourself mm-hmm. um so uh, branding is important how do you, are, do you are, how uh, you know what's the the purpose of the of the product and what does it stand for and so on so this, you have to, to think about all of that
0: And so I think finding the right product to sell is probably one of the biggest challenges that um, e-commerce sellers, Amazon sellers face. Do you have any tips for sellers on how to identify these high demand, low competition, differentiated products? (laughs) Isn't that the million dollar question?
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, so um, I think there's a lot of, uh, and then maybe that's part of the problem. There's a lot of uh, videos, tutorials, tools that uh, help you identify uh, you know the right niche where uh, there's a um, lower you know high high demand but low competition exactly what you say so people look at you know uh, what's the size of the market what's the number of reviews that the uh, uh, competitors have versus is the market share and you can see ah okay i can come in because these products are new and so on i think that so therefore what it means is that a lot of uh, uh, everybody looks at the same niches, you know, on Amazon, and, and so I think um, these tools is uh, all of this is important. Of course, you have to do this exercise, and it's well documented on, online. But I think um, you need to um, uh, you need to have uh, an opinion on uh, uh, on what to do. So um, the um, uh, um, so so and and convictions on uh, what's a, what's a great product.
0: Right. So everybody over here in the room, um, does anybody have questions for Pierre? You can turn on your camera, unmute, or you could type your question in the chat box. Let us know if you have any questions for Pierre. Nobody as of now.
2: I I have a question. Um, Thank you, Pierre, for your insight. Um, I was really wondering, how did you guys manage to recruit sellers in the early, early days of Lazada? Because this is what we are currently also trying to solve at uh, our company, Omcom, is that how did you persuade sellers to work with you? I mean, we are working also with Lazada, but we are helping the sellers. So what did you do to, you know, persuade them to be with you?
1: No, so, so we had a... Um, uh, we... Um, the, uh, I mean, that's a very, oh, like, uh, I think the problems today are very different than the, the, the time. I think we started a lot with, uh, we had already a business uh, using retail. So we had uh, already some level of demand and uh, we spotted good opportunity and we partner with a couple of big sellers basically and say, hey, you know, uh, this is the opportunity. This is the demand we have. We partner with a few big sellers. And then uh, um, and, uh, based on the success of the two big sellers, it had a ripple effect on uh, others, you know, so then uh, people get interested and so on. And then you, you start this virtual circuit. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
0: So what sort of um, trends do you see in, in e-commerce in Southeast Asia? Where do you think the industry is heading and where will it be in the next few years?
1: Oh, in Southeast Asia, I think the, uh, the, 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 the trend is gonna continue. I think we're very, very bullish on uh, Southeast Asia that uh, the uh, more and more consumers are come online and they will shop more and more online. So both you have new consumer and on the penetration of e-commerce, um, the, the share of wallet uh, of these consumers is going to grow and the overall market, the consumption is going to grow. So there's a very, very strong uh, macro wind on uh, on e-commerce. I think what what will happen is that uh, uh, consumers are going to be here, um, more and more, uh, I would say, do more and more of their life on uh, on digital platforms. So you will you, you can see that that you have a very big platform that are emerging and um, uh, i think that will continue but at the same time i think we will see a appearance of a specialized players which you don't have too much in southeast asia so people that are focusing for example on I i don't know secondhand goods or things like this that are that are not really addressed by uh, by existing players
0: so when you say specialized players do you also mean marketplaces that are specialized in certain categories like fashion Correct. electronics exactly. yeah yeah that's actually quite popular in india already there are quite a few marketplaces that you know specialize in fashion particularly so i think that's the trend that yeah that's that's already there in india uh but we don't see too many uh category special uh, specific marketplaces here um in southeast asia okay and then okay. so currently you are um heading branded right do you want to tell us a little yes. bit about branded and what does the company
1: do yeah so branded we operate on um, we are uh, so uh, I've left Southeast Asia so we are focusing on the western markets uh, we are we acquire a uh, small small challenger brand digital brands and we are uh, grow them and amplify them online so uh, we are uh, uh, we also uh, so we believe the future is going to be a uh, a lot of the brands will uh, sell through platforms um, like uh, uh, Amazon platform or Shopify platform, and, uh, um, uh, and uh, there's a big opportunity for smaller brands to gain shares. And uh, so what we want to do is uh, acquire, grow, launch uh, smaller brands in uh, um, um, on these platforms. We focus a lot on the consumer consumable categories. Okay.
0: And so you basically acquire um, e-commerce and Amazon.
1: Are you focused more on Amazon brands or e-commerce in general? So we, no, we're, we're, we look at all brands, like e-commerce in general. I think uh, uh, we've acquired far more Amazon brands than uh, Shopify brands. I think uh, um, uh, so. Th- you can say in that sense that our, our focus is, uh, is Amazon, but uh, we do both.
0: Okay. And uh, mostly Amazon U.S.?
1: mostly amazon.com yes.
0: okay in terms of categories what specific categories are you mostly looking for
1: so we look a lot at um, consumable category where or, or, or so categories where social uh, like um, uh, the, the the basically consumer buy products not only because it's a functional products but there's a, some level of uh, emotion uh, linked to the product so we look at uh, beauty personal care uh, health and wellness and we do a uh, design categories also, home and design categories. Okay. So
0: you're not doing um, like electronics or no. any of those no. Now. Okay. And it's interesting because most aggregators stay away from electronics kinds of categories, right? I mean, uh, they try to focus, even fashion is, uh, is, is, is a category that a lot of aggregators stay away from because return rates are high, and
1: um, yeah, I think yeah. the supply chain are quite different. The skill set is quite different. So, you know, you better focus. Um, I think it's um, uh, electronics also, um, you need to have a fast product development cycles, be very close to the supply. So I, think, um, I understand that a lot of people wouldn't do this.
0: Yeah. All right. So Paul has a question. What is your view on the impact of trade regulations to the growth of e-commerce in Asia and even the rest of the world?
1: So uh, of course you know any um, any uh, any uh, I would say uh, tariffs I think I guess that's what's happening or um, uh, you're referring to or any um, um, uh, issues on the on on trade uh, of course reduces you know uh, uh, creates frictions on trade so you can see that uh, it will. uh, um it will have a, an impact on that sense but overall i think the the uh, uh i don't think so uh, i think the um, how to put the the uh, the all of these are just a uh, um, small friction into a, a very strong trend so i don't think long term you know things are gonna uh, reshuffle and uh, uh, rearrange um i, I think the uh, uh, the uh, the growth of e-commerce is so strong and so um, uh, that uh, I, I don't think it will have major long-term impact on uh, where the, the e-commerce will be. That's that's my belief. But of course, uh, if you have a you know if you have a issues like the ones we have now today and on the supply chain and so on, that that does impact the short-term uh, uh, the short-term um, short-term growth of e-commerce, obviously. Right.
0: So there are so many different aggregators nowadays in this space um and there's also you know e-com brokers and all types of buyers so how do you think branded is different how do you differentiate yourself from others
1: yeah so i think first of all uh, we need to know that the 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 um the uh, the, uh, the market is humongous so there's a, a massive massive uh, market and it's pretty new that uh, e-commerce is seen as a uh, e-commerce sellers or brand are seen as an asset class that is interesting so um uh, so therefore it has attracted a lot of capital and a lot of publicity but relative to the size of the market i think it's uh, uh it's pretty normal and i would say it's just a catchback from uh, where it should be uh, it should have been for for a while now so that that's the you know my my comment um i think um the uh, for us we are we are the way we uh, we, um, how we position ourselves or what we do is, uh, first of all, we we very focused on categories. So we have a, a certain category which I mentioned to you, uh, where we focus, and uh, that enables us to gain uh, expertise, to gain scale, uh, and so on. And uh, uh, we believe that um, we will build uh, our category or our, our company around category strategy and around brand strategies, and that's uh, that's what we do. And I think. Uh, um, uh, we are one of the only uh, only uh, um, company and aggregators organized that, that way. The second thing we do is uh, we also uh, uh, like to partner, not only acquire, but we also partner with, uh, with brand owners and sellers. So uh, a lot of the brands that we acquire, the, the owner stays involved, stays with us, uh, keeps some uh, uh, equity keep uh, in- in- if you want into the business. Uh, so that we 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 build the brand together for for the future so that that's also a pretty uh, uh pretty unique uh, we um uh, we are uh, um we also are very global so i'm um, based in paris we have a team in new york we have a team in china so uh, we have very uh, uh, global operations uh, so a lot of our market is in the us but the way we work is completely global and i think um given the opportunity that's very very big uh very big differentiator um and then uh, as but not least we not only acquire but we also launch brands we have capabilities to launch brands when we see interesting uh, you know opportunities we just do it ourselves if we cannot find uh um uh, cannot find uh, the way to do it via uh, via the uh via, um, if we cannot find a way to do it via, uh, via acquisitions
0: okay so you mentioned you have a team in china and is that mostly for sourcing products for your brands yes. or are you also looking mostly to acquire processing okay okay no
1: no no mostly for sourcing. mostly,
0: mostly for sourcing, sourcing. okay yeah. cool in terms of sourcing are you seeing more sellers diversifying their sourcing nowadays you know sourcing from india mexico um the us as yeah, well so
1: i think there's a lot of discussions on this uh, i would say uh, uh, so far i think we've not seen a lot of meaningful changes so i think uh, uh, the supply chain from china to the us is extremely strong uh, the manufacturing capability are very very strong in China so under uh, they, um, they it's very easy to find suppliers and deal with suppliers in China uh, and very well established channels there's a quality uh, assurance uh, processes and teams so, so it's a uh, it is a very strong um, uh, sourcing uh, uh, sourcing um, um, hub, I think, for the future. At the same time, I think, especially post uh, Trump tariff or the tariffs that we've seen on uh, in China, we've seen uh, a lot of people that have started to look at Vietnam, for example, India, indeed, uh, to, uh, to put some of their uh, production there for some of the the uh, when they have uh, meaningful volumes. However, a lot of this, um a lot of these initiatives are actually stopped during COVID because, it, like you couldn't go to I mean you were not able to go to Vietnam for example for a while so how would you want to move production there you know so so therefore a lot of this has stopped during covid i expect this next year to start again basically so i think the these movements have uh, uh, will amplify next year uh, once uh, once we the, the we can travel again and people can travel again i can see uh, i can see that happening
0: Right. And yeah, I mean, I have a, a, a company that helps Amazon e-commerce sellers source products from India. I have a platform and uh, we're seeing a lot of interest among sellers to source from India. Uh, but you're right. China is the main source where you know most people are getting their products from. But there's also like a China plus one strategy, I would say, that a lot of people are looking for. And um, you know, for, for India, of course, there are certain categories that are um, better to source from India. So like wooden products, metal, handcrafted, cotton-based textile uh, products. So those kinds of categories are, are doing quite well from India. Um, okay, cool. Any questions from anybody over here? Anton, I see that you unmuted. Did you have a question?
2: No, I don't, sorry.
0: Okay. <laughs> um, anybody else? Paul? Craig, come on, this is your chance.
2: Hey, hi, uh, this is Pankaj here. Hi, Pankaj. Hi. Um, uh, so just a quick question. So you spoke about, you know, helping companies build their brands, et cetera, right? Uh, and I understand, you know, on, on the platform, you know, for sure you have like a specific presence of, uh, you know, the brands uh normally when you know a customer goes in and and buy or interact with those brands on your platform uh usually do you share that customer insight with that brand in real time or uh or how do you kind of you know really help with those insights uh you know to the brand uh I mean, normally the, the, the reason I'm asking is because, you know, every brand is always looking at, uh, uh, you know, really that end customer uh, profile demographic. And I mean, for sure, you know, they want to understand as much as about their, uh, you know, customers.
1: Yeah. I mean, we are brand owner directly. So whatever we can get uh, as uh, information we use, obviously, and uh, we uh, give that to our brand manager. So the way we structure it is that our brands are managed by brand managers. So um, whatever, um, uh, whatever, um, uh, whatever information we can get on consumers, we share that with our brand manager. So obviously it's uh, depending on the platform we sell on, if you sell on Amazon or Shopify, you would have different kind of information available to the brand managers. So then, then uh, if you go on offline, you'd have much less and so on. So, so, so that we've constrained by that, but yes, I mean, you're perfectly right. Uh, the, the any insight we can get we, we we use
0: yeah and panka just to clarify so pierre um was the co-founder of lazada but he's currently not involved in the day-to-day operations and he's currently the founder of, a, of an amazon e-commerce aggregator called branded so yeah
2: yeah oh. I understand so it's it's, okay. it's 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 more it's 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 more like you know a a middle layer, right? I mean, you're really helping the brands to enhance their presence across different marketplaces. I mean, that's the strategy, right?
1: Correct. So, but, uh, it's our brands. So my brand, you know, so it's like, a, these are not third-party brands. Oh, ah, okay.
2: yes, yeah. Because right. they're acquiring brands. Brand. Brand, so. mm-hmm. Ah, okay.
0: Yeah. Um, okay. Awesome. Well, um, any more
1: questions from anyone? Hey, Magla, Paul here.
0: Hi, Paul. How are you? Long time.
1: Long time. Just <laughs> a question for Pierre. In terms of uh, what do you look out for brands uh, that you would like to aggregate? What would be your criteria, or what would be the uh, you know the, the the key value that you look at in terms of uh, taking uh, looking at a, a brand? Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, we need to. Um, I think. Um, I want to make sure that uh it fits my strategy so we don't acquire any brands. so it has to fit our category strategy and uh what we want to do in this category so that's that's number one um and it's actually quite important number two uh, we need to ensure that uh, it has certain uh, uh, financial parameter in order you know so uh, in terms of uh you would say uh profitability you know uh, cogs, you know, marketing spend and so on and the trajectory over the past uh, 12 months or 24 months we need the brands to be healthy you know so uh, i wouldn't buy a falling knife you know so uh, so if i see the brand is decreasing year on year and there's a negative trajectory then i'm like hmm, you know that's very uh, concerning and then that that's present you know uh, but we also look into the future so we look at the ability to uh, grow the brand so uh, if uh, I see a brand that uh, has um, uh, uh, squeezed out all opportunity for growth, then it's, it's, less, uh, it's less exciting, obviously. You know? So um, uh, we look at that also. We, so for all our brands, we look at the business case, and we see, hey, uh, what's the business case moving forward? Uh, um, uh, and that's how we would value the brand, essentially. OK, thanks.
0: In terms of size uh, or, or revenue, are you looking at um, mostly larger, mid-sized kind of brands or even smaller brands? Or is there some sort of a benchmark?
1: Yeah, I think we, we like to acquire brands that are between five and I would say uh, 20, $25 million revenues. So that, okay. that's the kind of, uh, if you want a rule of them but We've acquired smaller brands uh, that fits our category strategy, you know? So for example, uh, we have a pretty large uh, uh, beer care just to make it more concrete beer care brand so men's grooming brand on amazon it's called viking revolution you can check it out it's uh, several tens of million dollars uh, of revenues and uh, so we know very well the men's grooming category and uh, we've acquired uh, uh, therefore a, a brand which is in the same uh, same category called fresh heritage um and this brand is for uh, is for uh, first uh, slightly m- more premium and it caters to a uh, more Afro um, American communities uh, in, in the US, so different positioning also and different customer base, uh, and the brand is much smaller. Um, and uh, uh, but we did this because it fits our strategy. We see obvious synergies, and we have a path to grow the brand. So we're very excited by it. We're very excited by that. So it, um, it's uh, we also do a smaller brands so if it fits uh, if it fits what we want to do.
0: Okay. So I guess one last question from me, and then we'll uh, see if anybody else over here has a question. But, you know, there's so many aggregators acquiring brands now on Amazon. How do you think the Amazon space is going to change in the next couple of years with all of these brands being rolled up? And a lot of because, you know, aggregators as big companies, they have a lot of capital. They're they're able to spend more on PPC no, so, and all of that. So how's that going to affect the landscape no, so, and the small
1: seller? I think. Uh, I think. Uh, so first of all, uh, um, again, I think uh, the the landscape. I mean, the Amazon Marketplace is a five hundred billion dollar. Uh, so the, the space to grow, and the space to operate in there is absolutely massive. Uh, I think uh, last year we had a massive influx of capital in this because uh, I mean, the model or the idea of uh, aggregating brands has been popularized a lot by thrasio that's what happened and, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people have looked at it and say hey it's very very interesting and you know so us included if you if, if you want mm-hmm. and um, they, there's a path so therefore last year of the past 16 months a lot of companies launched uh, and uh, they are um um and suddenly you had a market to acquire brands. So, sellers that couldn't sell brands before, wouldn't dream of, uh, could sell their brands. So, there was a, like a, over the past 18 months, a combination of events between a lot of capital coming in, a lot of people wanting to acquire scale very quickly, and uh, uh, sellers that uh, didn't think about selling that suddenly could sell. You know, that, that's what happened. So, you, you, you've seen that in flux. I, I don't, I think, you know, things are going to normalize now. So I I don't think you're gonna, I think you would see a a little bit of slowdown in the market, in the seller market. I'm sure if you look, uh, I've not looked the data report, but I'm sure you're gonna see a a slowdown in transactions, aggregators that have gained some scale that now takes a bit of time to take care of the existing asset and execute on their strategy. So you're gonna see a bit of a slowdown on this. uh, And then uh, ultimately, I think, um, uh, it's you, you. have a normalized, uh, a normalized market. You know uh, where you need big players in a market like this. You need big players to scale. You need small players to drive innovation. You need mid-sized players. Um, and uh, um, so, um, so that that's the that's the story, basically. Very interesting. All right. So, anybody else have any questions
0: for Pierre before we wrap up? Last chance.
2: Yeah, so you spoke about, uh, you know, the the, the market, uh, you know, percent of demand also changing because of, you know, the COVID, I'm sure, you know, it has changed, um, you know, different focus on categories as well. I mean, w- w- from your perspective, um, because of this COVID, right, uh, which are the categories that you are seeing is kind of, you know, having, a, a much faster growth and which categories are really you know kind of going downturn
1: so i think now we've we've seen a we're a little bit in a normalization phase now so the what happened uh, during covid uh, you had categories like uh kitchen products home products that that boom you know because you're you're suddenly at home cooking you know and there were categories that uh, didn't do well at all so like if you were selling uh I don't know, uh, men's uh, uh, office uh, accessories to, you know, uh, then the, your business was not doing well at all. So I think um, um, this has normalized. I, I think um, it is less about uh, which category or not has been, you know, um, the, the 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 COVID bump. I think what has happened is that it has moved forward e-commerce. So you'll see penetration of e-commerce that has gone up now, you know the the growth has slowed down, but the penetration of e-commerce is higher than pre-COVID, and has accelerated and will continue to grow. So it has acc- essentially has accelerated the growth of the the e-commerce penetration, and uh, we're going to see things uh, right now. I mean, starting now, basically your uh, COVID bump was uh, pretty much up until uh, uh, Jan 2021, roughly, and then uh, last year uh, uh, was very. Uh, uh, tough year because of supply chain issues, so you had a lot of uh, slow also slowdown in uh, uh, slowdown in supply and uh, uh, due to supply chain and then I think this year it's a year of normalization basically
0: right I also think maybe travel uh, the travel category would be <laughs> in high demand yeah, at least yeah, yeah, <laughs> for yeah. some time because everybody just wants yes. to travel i know i'm looking for <laughs> luggage and you know. all. So, cool. Awesome. Well, any more questions for Pierre? Anybody?
2: Um, I have one question, um, Anton, here again. Pierre, um, um, how do you see um, the way how brands will be selling online in the future? Do you think many brands want to do it themselves or it will be purely done through um, aggregators uh, like branded or enablers and so on?
1: No, so I think it's not—it's never a black and white uh, situation. I think uh, the bulk of e-commerce has to go through platforms, so which is Amazon and uh, and uh, uh, Amazon and this kind of uh, of platform. And, or you can argue that uh, uh, you know Shopify is one platform. Also, it's very hard for um, so you have to operate in social media. It's very hard for a small if you want to gain scale. It's just very difficult for uh, someone to um, a mid-sized company or be good at everything it's very difficult on this so so your your you will see uh, um that that's the need that's why we have a uh, players like us exist in a way because we are able to we gain scale to scale we are b- bigger and enables to have scale for to scale uh the smaller brand that's why enabler uh, uh, exists and uh, will continue to to do to, to exist um so uh, i think uh, if you're a very large group large brand like uh, on a Unilever or a L'Oreal, then you can source a lot of things and do a lot of things yourself. But then you, I think they already ask themselves, do I really want to do everything? You know, I do, do I want to specialize on everything? And the answer usually is no. You know, you want to specialize on things where you think you can make a difference that might, will matter for you uh, in the future. And some others, you, you will partner to do this. Um, so I think you're, you're going to see that situation uh, evolve. I think on... On enablers, what I would say is, uh, so well, I'm not an enabler, we own our own brands. I think on enablers, I think what's important is that uh, there's an element of differentiation, that enabler is not just a headcount um, kind of uh, business where you just provide resources to uh, and scale on resources uh, to, uh, to, the, to the brand. You need to make sure that uh, you you bring something that um, others cannot bring, you know, that you have expertise or technology that, uh, that go... Uh, that is very unique in the market. And I think that's the, the, the something that is very important as an enabler to, to drive a bit. Mm. Thank you. That's a
2: great insight. Thank you.
0: Okay. So Pierre, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it was lovely chatting with you, uh, getting all of your insights. I'm sure everybody will, um, you know, learn a lot. So thank you so much for joining us today. And um, I hope to see you somewhere in the world someday. <laughs>
1: thank you, Mega. Thank you.
0: All right. Thanks mm. a lot. And thanks a lot, everyone, for joining us over here.
1: Thanks, Meghra. Um, thanks, Pia. Thanks. Thank All you. Right. Thank, Thank you. Bia. Thank you, guys.
0: Thanks. Bye.
2: Thank you.